0: She actually left me for a while and was fighting to get her back. But she said she will only come back to me if I fulfill my promise, uh, which was to sail around the board with her. I said, if you want to do that, if that's what it takes to get you back to my side, we'll do it. And um, yeah, we got all our cash together and realized, you know, what kind of boat we could afford and bought a boat and off we went.
1: When Flo was very young, he started having this dream of sailing and being independent. And when I met him, he still got these dreams. And um, you know how it is when you're a couple, you start having the same dreams. That's why I'm super happy and
0: proud that Nina along on this journey as a family, because like she said, sailing was really tough at times. and still is for Nina. But she said, well, no, it's not important. The whole adventure as a family and experience for the kids is more important than my not well-being. So I loved it, how she prioritized it. And uh, that's the only reason why we're actually here.
2: So I first heard about Flo Orly maybe seven or eight years ago as I qualified for the Freeride World Tour and I was eyeing up my competition. Flo was far from the mountains. He was down in the South Pacific on his sailboat training by riding his standing bicycle to keep his legs in shape. Him and his partner Nina, they gave up on their dream later that year or rather put it on pause because of a growing family and they decided to come back to the mountains and pick up later to sail around the world. And so here we are. This was my first episode that I recorded. It was recorded almost 12 months ago. But the Sail Away family, Flo and Nina Orley, along with their kids, Momo and Keanu, have been out on the water for a couple years now. They found a 40-foot catamaran in the Caribbean. They flew over and had a ton of work to do to it, way beyond what they originally imagined. I think they may have invested over 50,000 euros into the boat after buying it, and it was a pretty nice boat to begin with. But it's all part of the journey, right, all part of the sacrifices, and that's what this episode is all about. Flo and Nina tell us about their journey of getting onto the boat and the sacrifices that they made in order to do that and then even when they got there how hard it was for them to find the, the balance between everything to renovate the boat, homeschool the kids, keep their sponsors happy with the content that they were meant to deliver and pursue their dream of sailing around the world. So, super excited about Sail Away Family. You can check out their story on Instagram or their website. And let's just, let's dive into the show.
0: All right. Yeah, well, let's go. Nice to see that there's people out there who are fascinated by what you do and what we do.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think um, what I'm most fascinated about is the fact that you guys are continuing a dream that you had before you had children and you've found a way to to do it as a family now. And I think, you know, being a father and being a part of a family now, that's perhaps the hardest part is transitioning from an individual into a family and trying to continue your passion from before to doing it as a family. So I'm I'm just amazed to see what you guys have done. And that's really what I want to... Learn about is how you've you know what this trip meant to you before and and how you've been able to transition and do it as a family. Um, so, yeah. you guys, tell me about what just happened last night. You just did a crazy uh, passage, correct?
0: Yes. Uh, well, our dream is basically to keep going westwards into the Pacific, and we start in the Eastern Caribbean, following the island chain along the north coast of South America. And from Aruba, you have to go around the Cape. And into Colombia, and that is one of the most dangerous passages for sailboats around the world because northern Colombia has a huge coastal range up to almost 6,000 meters, like 20,000 feet high mountains, and they make for a local weather pattern and can throw up a very steep sea and a very gusty and strong 50 60 knots of wind within minutes basically. So, in Aruba, we went on standby and waited for about two weeks for the right weather pattern, and it helps a lot that the weather forecasts are now so accurate nowadays. And we ended up having a really nice passage, actually with the spinnaker out for two full nights and days. The wind eventually died; it got really strong, but not too strong. Uh, so we made a safe passage. But yeah, you have to play the game and then sit and wait for the right conditions.
2: Right. And before you arrived, I mean, you you've done this before, right? So you kind of have some experience sailing the high seas. It's not like this is your first time out there.
1: Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's not our first time, so Flo was sailing quite a lot in his life, and he did all this um, educations and became a, a captain, but the last time, it was the first time for me, this one and a half years, and uh, what I found out very quickly was that I get very easily seasick, and um, even then, I decided to do it for a second time, because for me, sailing is nothing, you know, not not a passion or anything I, I love to do, but it's just a way to travel and um to arrive somewhere is the best thing with the boat because you're out arc, you got everything on the on the boat you need and want and you got everything together. So yeah, the way of travelling is perfect, but the way itself is not so nice for me. <laughs> That's
0: why I'm super happy and proud that Nina along that we're as on this journey as a family because like she said, the first trip we did was from the Caribbean to the South Pacific on a small thirty five foot catamaran, and as a couple only, and we loved the adventure, we loved the experience, but sailing was really tough at times, and still is for Nina, but she said, well, you no, it's not important, the whole adventure as a family and experience for the kids, it's more important than my not well-being while we're actually under the sail, so I loved it how she prioritized it, and uh, that's the only reason why we're actually here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> couple sacrifice, that's what it's all about when you're married, huh?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's a difficult topic coming up, coming up right here. <laughs> Who sacrifices what? For the happy family,
2: yeah. <laughs> right. So tell us where you are right now. You've just arrived in Colombia. Paint us a picture of what's
0: around you. Colombia has seen some really difficult years. They've had basically had a civil war for over going on over decades. And just a few years ago, the arrival in parties, they all you know, sat down at a table. And the whole country is opening up now. People are friendly. Uh, cruisers sailors like us are only starting to come to this area now because for many many years it's basically was off limits it was just too dangerous So you could not just uh, anchor in any quiet bay here and and uh, be sure you would have sailing on happily the next day this is changing Uh at the moment we're in the marina because the first couple of days it's always uh, nice you clear into the country you get to know everything but then we plan to Cruise along the coast here, north and south of Santa Marta, and really dig into the country, its culture, and and meet
2: people. That's amazing. And you're both from Austria, right? I find it's really interesting that you're mountain folk. So the maybe the the land that you grew up around in is mountainous. You're in the Tirol Valley, uh, beautiful area of the world. But now you're. Out at sea which is a complete difference from from what you grew up and what you knew why do you think you were drawn to the sea is it something about growing up in the t-roll where you needed to break out and, and be out in the open expanse or is it something different
1: wow um that's a good question i think uh when Flo was very young he started to having this dream of sailing and being independent and he read a lot of books about it and was very interested in in those adventures and when i met him, almost 20 years ago, we still got these dreams. And um, you know how it is when you're a couple, you start having the same dreams because one got a big passion and, and the other one got the passion too. So we were always talking about it. And try to you know it was a lot of um work in our brain how we can do that how we can afford it and and so on and so about nine years ago we did it for the first time because we talked about it so much that we had to do it because once you got a dream or something you want to do you end up doing it because you really want to do it so
2: (laughs) tell me about that though i mean a lot of people have dreams but I mean, I think a lot of people have a dream of sailing around the world, but to actually do it is really hard. And I mean, tell me about the sacrifices you had to make in the first time. I mean, Flo, you were a pro snowboarder and Nina, I think you were working in the sports field as well. Tell me about what it was like to leave everything that you knew to to go sail halfway around the world, I'm sure it was exciting, but also incredibly challenging. Well,
0: it was one side story Nina did not mention that it was uh, she actually left me for a while. So we had a big break in our relationship, and I was fighting to get her back. And uh, after years, so, I got close to the point to get her back, but she said she will only come back to me if I fulfill my promise, uh, which was to sail around the world with her. And it was a big step for me at that time because I was really successful as a pro snowboarder and sacrificing leaving the scene um potentially meant that this like dream job i had was over but i prioritized i said no it's if you want to do that and if that's what it takes to get you back to my side we'll do it and i quit my job i stepped out of the free ride world tour and um yeah we got all our cash together and realized you know what kind of boat we could afford and bought a boat and off we went that's how it worked i think everyone's dreaming of something you know but uh it's a matter of how strong a dream is if you're willing to prioritize if you're willing to sacrifice a lot of things for the dream and once you may answer yourself these questions am i willing to do this am i willing to sacrifice uh, other things then you know a lot of doors open and you're on your way
1: yeah and i think when when you're together or two people then you're a bit stronger because if i should do it on my own i, I could have never done it because I'm too much afraid of something or anything, and and with the help of Flo, and his, you know, I, I trust him, and I I know he can sail, he can do it, and he like in snowboarding, you know, he's kind of a risk manager. Everybody says, and or he says himself, and and that's true, and so I I can trust him, and I know I will be alright, and my kids too, and so then you can do it.
0: And I think, my I would never have done it without the woman I loved on my side because whom do you share all those wonderful experiences with when you're on such a project? Um, We meet quite a few sailors who are by themselves, but to me, bottom line, these are quite sad beings, you know, because they go around to see the most beautiful places, the most beautiful experiences, but they're not able to share it with
2: anyone. Right. I I love that. I I love the idea of being stronger together and um, sharing that. I think you have described that very well and i am looking at my own relationship as we're ripping through the house and preparing to move in and the turmoil that surrounds us and i know that the sunny skies are are on the other side and i can feel the strength happening around us but i often wonder man is this a good idea or a bad idea did you feel that along the way? Is there, do you feel like uh, preparing for something like this is a lot more high stress and um, can cause more turbulation with your relationship? Or does it truly pull you both together by planning something like this and actually doing it?
0: One thing is answered very simple. A lot of people ask us the question, well, how can you be on such a small area on the boat together as a couple? Referring to our first trip, and we always answer, "Well, it's simple. In a year and a half, we didn't have a single fight."
1: Um, yeah, but by this time, we didn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I think to prepare uh, this journey is without kids. It's so much more fun and so much more passion and love uh, inside because um, you got time and you can sit together, and your nerves are still strong. But once you got kids, and you don't have time for you know hours of hours. Of talking about this journey um, yeah everything happens just within five minutes while I bite in my breath and Flo has to go to the toilet and the kid is screaming because it fell down or whatever so to prepare a journey like this is nice without kids and with kids it's um, like a chop sometimes <laughs> yeah.
0: once Nina got pregnant on a, on a first trip it was actually in the middle of the South Pacific I think it was Bora Bora where we uh, finally did the pregnancy test uh, we started to look at those other sailing families differently, right? We watched those, watched those families with kids on board, and we said, wow, you know, this was a nice trip. It's going to come to an end because Nina wanted to give birth to a baby at home. But we said, hey, let's come back as soon as the kids are old enough and continue this this dream journey. But we kind of did not think that traveling with the kids, especially in, the, in such uh, circumstances on a sailboat that needs constant maintenance and work and planning and everything, is so what's the english word for it it's so tough it's yeah. so energy consuming
1: yeah
0: as we're speaking they're <laughs> running up uh, from the dock and the
2: <laughs> beautiful and te- tell us about your kids you've got two yeah. uh, a son and a daughter keanu and momo is that right do they want to say hi
0: it seems a new boat just arrived with some german-speaking kids which is always super exciting because we're still struggling with them was convincing them that they need to speak proper English and able to have more fun meeting all the kids around the world.
2: Wow, that's amazing. What an education. And I have so many questions that I feel like we're flying through, but um, that's definitely a topic that I want to know. Nina, you're taking the helm on educating these two, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: in a homeschool-type manner, what What does that look like?
1: Uh, I, I prepared a little bit just to, you know, Keanu went to school for three months at home in Austria. And after that, we took him out of his class and we started our journey. And while Kiano was at school, I taught more the same stuff at home. So she's one and a half years younger than Kiano, but uh, now she got the same level. And um, yeah, I tried to do the homeschooling and I took all the books from Austria. And um, I teach them every day for about one and a half or two hours. And, uh, it's not, it's not happening that it really takes place every day because the kids are not in a good mood or sometimes we are sailing and just simply I can't teach. And at the moment we end up at about three times a week for one and a half or two hours. And I feel it's all right. I mean, they can, after one year, they can read, they can uh, write, they can count. And so it's basically the same stuff. What they're doing at home.
2: That's great. And and how old are they?
1: Uh, Kian is seven, and Momo will turn six in a few weeks. Great. Yeah. No, it's it's nice, but it's it's tough. It, it takes. Uh, you know, you 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 just have to do it, and you have to sit down every day, and you have to force them, and you try to find a way that they like it a little bit. But for sure, they would love to do other things than sitting there and and learning how to spell or whatever. But um, I mean, they got the best classroom in the world. They're sitting on a boat and the wind is blowing and the dolphins are sometimes jumping next to them. So it's cool, but it's work and you, you have to do it and you have to force them and you have to, to show them that it's important that they are not allowed to do always what they want to do because that's, that's life. And I, I really, I'm happy to do it because I got so much control over my kids and, and I'm so happy to show them everything I know. But on the other hand, for sure, sometimes it would be easier to have somebody else telling them things because you can lay back and relax. But on the other hand, yeah, who's got the possibility to to teach their own kids? I mean, (laughs)
2: it's cool. Yeah, there's a real... We've been following a lot of families over Instagram. And, you know, that's what the Moment Exchange is really all about, is connecting families around the world that are living these alternative lifestyles, or homeschooling, road schooling, unschooling, whatever you call it. it is work and it is hard, but the application for your kids is real. You you know you can point out letters and numbers, and then when you're filling the diesel tank or you're walking through the streets of Colombia, they can apply that knowledge. Do you feel like that's happening around you? Have you have you seen that happen on the trip?
0: Well, what we always found amazing on a first trip without kids is that those. Those boat kids, you know, they're, on one hand, they're really grown up very fast because they're among a lot of adults at the time. And at the same time, they don't have any, um like, there's no society that, that teaches them anything really, right? So they stay childish at the same time. I remember discussing with a 11-year-old the difference between the European and the uh, American uh, social security system. And half an hour later, he was jumping around naked with the younger kids on the beach building sandcastles. And it's so typical for me how both kids are, you know. Yeah, society does not tell them what to do. They don't come home and say, oh, well, my classmates got a phone now. I want an iPhone too at eight years old. Um, they just are the way they are. And then all the freedom we believe that they have uh, is gonna turn them into really mature uh, characters and personalities when they grow
1: up. Yeah, and they have to take more responsibility than, than at home because they have to help us. They, I mean, Keanu tries to sail and tries to steer and you know, that's a lot of responsibility to take over the boat. and. Um, And it's just everything is about life and, um, you know, to to solve uh, everyday life, like eating, drinking. We have to to save energy with the help of the sun and we have to make our own water. So we have to save everything and to make them aware of nothing is is for free and nothing is just easy to have. That's something I like very much.
0: And they grew up in touch with nature so much. you can uh, with seven and a half years now. Um, go spearfishing with me at night but it's not me carrying the spear gun it's him i just follow up we both have a lamp, and uh, we agree on which which fish to go for and i tell him well today we go for uh, um for snappers or we go for um uh, rainbow fish and he shoots them at seven years old and uh yeah that's the life we live
2: wow and tell me about that are you snorkeling right off the boat or are you going in from shore
0: well 95 percent of the time we are on anchor um it doesn't happen that often uh, that we're in the marina, as we are right now, sometimes you need to, you know, you got to kind of refurbish and stock up on spare parts, uh, have, have major repairs. But 95 of the time, we are on anchor. And of course, you need a protected anchorage, but at the same time, you always try to anchor at places that are close to the waves so where we can surf, which are close to good snorkeling or diving spots. And if not, we have our dinghy, you know, with a little 15 horsepower engine. And so that has a range of a couple of miles easily if the weather is flawed. So that's what we we use to go to the waves or to the snorkeling spots and then just move back and forth with it.
2: Wow. So that's amazing. But back to um, what we were just talking about, you mentioned that doing all this together as a family, your kids are learning, you know, what real life is like. Do you feel like your bond as a family is stronger now that you've been on the trip together versus your life at home
1: yeah definitely i mean we are together 24 7 there's no way you know (laughs) we are always together so we we, even though some sometimes somebody's grumpy or or sad or whatever somebody of the other family members has has to take over and to try to find a way to get to this person um, doesn't matter if it's Flo or me or one of the kids and um, the other thing is that Flo is always around even though he has to work and he has to fix stuff but, but he's there so <laughs> for sure you, you bound more than at home because at home there are so many other people like grandparents or friends or other family and they take over sometimes a little bit um, influence the kids but, but here it's just the four of us mostly and that's the reason why you why you stick together more and But that's something I love so much because the way you bond with the kids, you always you are always there and you always have to help and you, yeah, there is no influence from from outside, which I like very much.
0: I mean, they're young; they're five and seven years old, right? I mean, once they're teenagers, we probably have to stop this journey because then they need their own uh, route. They need to meet people of their age and discover the other gender. We're not gonna, don't want to restrict the life then at all. But now as if they're, if they're so young and they're easily motivated for anything, uh, this is just amazing how as a, as a team you can be on a journey.
1: Yeah, and that's what we found out. The best age for kids is between six and 10 because then they're kind of, yeah, a little bit mature at the age of six. And till the age of 10, they are child enough to, to love everything what we do. But then maybe they get a little bit, you know, they like friends, they like their own hobbies and maybe they need more time on their own. So we decided this age is perfect and then we will see
0: and looking at families we're meeting now I think we did right because there are families who only start when their kids are 10 11 there's a German family here right now and their 11 year old daughter told them after a year hey this is it I don't want to be in this boat any longer I want to go back to my friends uh, to my girls and hang out with them it's kind of fun here but I don't want to." so they have to stop their journey and they're on their way back to Germany now Wow and that's, uh, it's not the only family we, but we when we started looking at the boats, I actually looked at a boat up in North Carolina, South of New York, that was on the market because uh the kids told their daddy when they were cruising after year hey that's it we we just want to stop it but they were all as well it's just on the brink of becoming teenagers and i think that's where it's the wrong time for for children to be on a boat you know then you have to provide them with a with a frame like a safety frame and a stable home and then they can venture out and explore and develop their character and personality but uh yeah that's not a time where you they want to travel that you got to respect that
2: wow You know, everybody says as we prepare for our own journey that now is the time before they go to school and this and that. But the fact that you just reiterated that and families are abandoning their maybe life plans of sailing around the world because their teenagers are making themselves known, their opinions known in the family, that's real and Uh, what a gift that you have decided to give your kids and yourselves to strengthen that bond at this time while your kids are in that sweet spot.
0: But you also got to think that we are talking about a sailing cruise, right? If you're venturing out on a big camper van or something like and you're traveling overland, it might be a bit different because uh, every time you stop, you potentially have a lot more people around you. Whereas we are on anchor in some um, remote base. The beauty of nature and the bond of the family is amazing, but maybe not the social uh, surroundings. If you're on the way on four wheels, it might be very different. It might be more easy for the kids to connect if so they don't need to jump on a stand-up paddle board or a dinghy to see someone else. They can just walk out the door and other kids might be right there. So we can only speak for sailors. We cannot speak for people traveling overland.
2: Right. Um, Nina, you said something earlier about flow that I thought was interesting because... Flo, you and I met on the Freeride World Tour and I remember seeing, I think the first year I was on tour, you were just coming back from the South Pacific. You had been down there and Nina, you said that Flo is kind of like the risk manager. Um, Flo, I'm wondering, has your experience as a pro rider um, and your your relationship with risk climbing mountains um, taking risk as your job do you think that's helped you to become a boat captain for your family
0: i think it did help me um to have been dealing with risks pretty much all my life uh going onto a boat but uh, on the other hand i do not think it is uh necessary to be a real risk manager when you become a sailor um because I mean, the risks are obvious, you know. It's weather, it's it's reefs, it's um, breakdowns on the boat. And even when you just get into sailing a little bit, these things are very um, clear to, to see, right? You don't want to leave in harbor when the weather is bad. You want an engine that works, and you don't want to run into a reef and have a hold in the boat. And these things you have to take care of. Maybe I'm pushing it a little further, um, or a little harder, because I'm, pl- I'm playing with risks also, and I still do this on the boat. But, um you don't need to be an expert in risk management to be a good captain and with a family on board.
2: I could imagine though when I saw your Instagram post just last week, and you said, "We're leaving at midnight um, to sail from Aruba to Colombia on one of the top you know five most dangerous passages in the world. you're leaving at midnight in waters maybe you've never sailed before and you have your family on board and nothing but your wits to protect you and guide you. And, and then also you, you mentioned, uh, spearfishing at night, you know, just things like that, where I, I mean, I've swum my boat in or I've had to swim in from anchor at night in the Atlantic ocean, you know, a couple hundred yards. And that's can be terrifying jumping into the black (laughs) ocean at night.
0: Yeah. Well, it's better you answer
1: because what I can say to that, you know, I never have to do, uh, strange situations. Flo is always the one who has to jump into the water when the line for fishing is uh, stuck up in wheel or propeller, for example, and the ocean is about four thousand meters deep. Because I, I would be scared, you know. And so <laughs> Flo always has to fix all these um, not so nice situations.
0: <laughs> but if the risk management I'm using in the boat comes down to pretty much uh, one sentence: avoid worst case scenarios. So what I'm doing, I'm I'm drawing pictures of worst-case scenarios in my head, which is okay. We're hitting a reef. We, someone's going overboard. Uh, we're on a reef far out, night spear fishing, and then the dinghy engine doesn't start. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, if this worst case is happening, what then? You know, and if you can answer the question, what then, in a way that you think, okay, no one's going to die, everyone's going to be fine eventually, then you can just go for it. There's so many life and death situations in everyday life of the people that they don't even realize. You're on the highway, you're going 60, 70 miles an hour, a come come up. Well, if you don't turn the wheel, you go straight into the, into the side of the road and potentially die. So that's your worst case scenario. You must turn that wheel. And it's the same on the boat. So it's more like a list in your head that you tick and then you do the right thing. Coming back to your examples, leaving Aruba in the middle of the night, well, we moved the boat on the day before leaving to an anchorage that has no reef on the leeward side. So we just pull up anchor and go straight out. Then we waited for two weeks for the right weather. We had the charts for Colombia on three different computers. So if one would have an electronic failure, um, we could switch on the other one. So we would have a chart of the area that we would arrive on. And we have a satellite phone on board. So if I feel like the weather is deteriorating, I can call friends at home. And within 20 minutes, they will give me an update on the weather and call me back on that very phone. And we can react accordingly. So it's all those worst-case scenarios that lead to potential backups and uh, and let you sleep well. Because you know whatever's going to happen, you have a solution for it.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's critical. And I think you know, that's why I was curious about your experience as an extreme snowboarder flow. I feel like we always made contingency plans. I remember planning lines with you in the tour and it's like, well, if I don't land this cliff in this way, I'm going to exit like this. Or if I can't find my line, I'm going to have this backup plan that's going to take me to safety. Or if an avalanche comes, I can cut out this way. And I think, you know, I was really curious about my relationship to risk um, as I became a father and I felt myself kind of almost lose my edge a little bit on tour um, because I wasn't as willing to take the kind of risk that I I used to. But I also found that there was a little bit of superpower there being a, a dad or a mom, not that I'm a mom, but being a parent that now you can calculate risk in a little bit of a different way um and it's more calculated you have three maps instead of just two and you have a sat phone instead of just a cell phone and you know you just think things through a little bit more but you can still do them they're just what i call don't fuck up scenarios
0: yeah you're totally right one comment though on the on the world tour looking back now at the time when i was still a pro rider and competing on the tour for the world title, I also thought when the kids were there, wow, this is awesome. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning and cooking up some fruits, uh, and making a gravy for my kids, feed them, and then get up into my protection gear and helmet up the mountain to compete in the world tour. I just have to look at the results and I know it didn't really work out. I used to be top three almost all the time. And then the first three years when the kids were there, I was barely re-qualifying for the tour. And as soon as, as the kids were a little older and we could get our nights back sleeping, I was back in the top spots. So, uh, yeah, there might be some superpower that you feel, but I think bottom line, your your energy is not as focused um, on on what you were doing before when the kids are there. So it's a lot of reframing it, that, that has to happen when you have kids.
2: And do you think uh, that helped you to to take this jump to do this mission, knowing that maybe um, things in your professional life, things that were happening around you before you left, were not as much of a priority as your family? Did that propel you to to leave? At least, you know, for, for me, it feels like while the kids are young and it's hard to focus on career, on things external from the family, it almost makes more sense to take this time and do a journey like this if you have the capacity. Did you find the same thing?
1: Yeah, sure. The, the first um, years with a kid is, is most important. So maybe not the first one or two years, but then, um, you know, it's, it's so sad when I, when I was at home and Keanu was a baby, for example, it was all right because Keanu was, um, just, you know, he was drinking, sleeping and for sure he started to walk and, and everything. But when they get a little bit older and their dad is not there, it's very sad as a mom because you celebrate all those nice days like birthday or Christmas or Easter alone. And you think, Hey, that's not, you know, we are a family and we should, um, Celebrate everything together, and he's just not capable to do it because he has to work or to do anything else. So when the kids are about three, four years old, I think it's it's so important that you find a lot, a lot of time with the kids because when they are ten or when they are try when they, when they go to school, they got um, more input from from outside. But um, from three, four till ten, I think it's the best time for dad and moms to connect with their kids.
0: And I remember a conversation shortly before we left when we agreed that if it hadn't been for this journey, I would have had to change my job because there's just too much traveling involved, you know, too many weekends involved, um, too much not being there for a family event and it would have, um, yeah, yeah potentially it's, it's kill just, a family relationship. You know, it, it, it was
1: so it. sad. I remember the day when, um, Chiara was, um, competing at his first skiing race. And he was super cute and it was super stylish and he won and Flo was not there. And that's something, you know, he has to be there because that's something he has to see too, not just me. Flo has to compete his himself or his own and whatever, but he misses all these situations and I think that's sad for everybody, so don't work too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Which is hard when you're trying
0: to put as much money aside as you can to, to save up for a big trip or a big cream.
2: Yeah, so I mean, how how does it work financially for you guys? I mean doing a trip like this isn't cheap. So how do you make it work? How are you making it work from the
0: road? Well, I think the first lesson one should learn is if you have a big dream, it's easy to make big sacrifices. And for us, it was very logical over the past years to spend as little money as we could. That would mean not eating out much with the family, not driving a fancy car, but ready for a used car. When we went out for a pizza, we had one big margarita all together and glass of water. So that would go for like 10 bucks. But if you would have four pizzas and drinks for everyone, it'd probably be 50 bucks. And that's how we saved a lot of money. And we managed to buy an apartment, which we're now renting out in Innsbruck, my home city, which is a major part of our income. And I was also able to uh, convince two of my sponsors from my previous life as a pro rider to be a partner of this trip. Because they're using the lifestyle that we live to promote their product, which is nice. And yeah, that's how it works for us. Great. Right. Yeah,
1: and the, the journey itself, I mean, there's a lot of money inside the boat just by buying it and trying to maintain it all the time and the other yeah the other big amount of money flows into insurance for the boat and for us but everything else is uh way less than at home because we can't buy things and the only things we need is food and we wear almost nothing we got our fins we got our surfboards we got um all the medication already and um I can't go to the gym, I can't go to the cinema, I can't go to the hairdresser, and I can't go to the whatever. So all all those institutions who want money from you don't exist here. So we can't spend money. You know, I cook and I, you know, it's cheap. The life itself is is very cheap.
2: Yeah, I think um, that's something that I feel like has to be experienced to be understood. A lot of people expect that, um, life on the road is expensive. How do you, how do you do that? How do you live in a van? But I mean, as soon as you shed the layers of, as you call them, the institutions that want your money, life is cheap. Exactly. Exactly. And how, how does that feel to be almost, do you feel like you're separate from society or separate from, uh, the life that you live? What's that feel like?
1: (laughs) You get very sensitive for everything when you are um, alone or when you are away from from the typical society. So you see and feel more, and you you don't want anything anymore because uh, you always ask, "Is it do I need this? No, do I need this? No." So um, I remember the last time when we came home after one and a half years sailing, and I was pregnant, and we came home at Christmas. We were so overwhelmed by all this. Nobody needs anything, but everybody wants to have everything that um it took a couple of months for us to get into society again and especially you know for a woman it's maybe different as for a man because i don't want to be a ugly you know not well nicely dressed girl or whatever so for me there was a time when i needed some new pair of jeans or whatever but um still there was this do i need these shoes no do i need this no do i need this? No. Because once you found out that you don't need anything, you're more sensitive. And, you know, I got a lot of friends. They got about 70 pairs of shoes in their cupboard. And I really, it, it it's disgusting for me because I, I think I don't need it because I need some nice shoes. I need some for climbing. I need, you know, that's it. Don't take more than you need. That's something I really found out on all those journeys.
0: So that what makes you really separate once you've been on the road for a while, that the capitalistic uh, part of yourself pretty much dissolves. Uh, and as far as communication goes, it's down to your personality. I hardly speak with anyone back home. I just uh, drop my parents uh, WhatsApp uh, every two weeks so they know what's happening. But Nina communicates a lot with friends from right home. She's uh, on, on Skype or on WhatsApp with them. She's texting with them. So she's really still part of the social life in Austria thanks to modern communication tools. And that's something that's also different from our first trip because it was almost 10 years ago there was no WhatsApp and there was not much internet on the remote islands in the South Pacific and that has changed too and it also changes the life on the road a lot
2: right and how do you manage that because you're you know it's it's this balance of wanting to be in the experience yourself and taking it all in but also sharing it as the sail away family and and letting people know what you're up to and be inspired by the the life that you live how do you strike that balance
0: <laughs> well it's quite easy we were very, really motivated to run a blog and post on instagram and uh, we felt it's my job because this is what I had been doing as a pro snowboarder for almost two decades. And Nina asked me after like, after the first month or the first two months, Are you actually doing any social media work? Are you posting anything? Are you making videos? And I was like, uh, No, sorry, I got no time. I'm fixing up the boat. So she took over, and I'm very happy she did because uh, she's doing it really well now. She's put much more emotion into it. And, you know, she wants to tell people out there more than I want to how we live and what we do. I feel more like I'm here by myself with my family and i don't need anyone and she feels more like she wants to share and tell people what
1: would we experience yeah and it's there's so much um coming back from a lot of people i did not know very well before we left for example or birthday or anything I, I was you know i couldn't i was into tears because so many people are writing and living the dream with us and that's what i what i love so much to to show them just a little bit of what we're doing and i, I also try to be honest because you know for sure the pictures on Instagram or Facebook it's just one moment in a couple of days and this moment is nice but all the other moments may not be nice because a kid was sad or sick or I'm homesick and sad or I got some bad news from home or whatever you know and it's tough 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 work on this boat every every day we get up and we work till we fall in our beds and and I try to communicate this to the people as well to tell them hey it's not holiday you know it's work you know i get up in the morning we have breakfast but we don't ha- have any nice things like a dishwasher or we just have a small fridge and and yeah prepare everything so after that it's cool i have to teach the kids and then i, I have to clean up i have to do the dishes um you prepare lunch and after that you know it's hot you're sweating you have to clean you have to throw has to fix and you know we work 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 the whole day <laughs> and uh for sure, I, I show more the nice pictures in, on Instagram, but I also try to show the people that it's it's tough, you know.
0: And it it is, um, of course we're trying to inspire people to potentially do similar things, but it actually inspires us a lot when people are writing to us on Instagram, or on Facebook, be it friends or people we have hardly ever met and telling us how we inspire them, you know, to their potential journey. That's really, that's really, gives, that gives us a lot of energy. Yeah, I, yeah. But
2: speaking from experience, you've inspired me to put the energy that I know I needed to into doing this, this trip for ourselves. So thank you for, for doing this. You, it, it's working. It's working. That's
0: nice to hear,
1: Colin. Something I I love to tell people too, you know, there is nothing more important than family because that's the only thing you will have your whole life. When you are old and sitting in your wheelchair, for example, your kids will be around because you gave everything to them. You could, and you will get everything back and, and family, you know, don't care about money too much. And when all the women go to work very quickly and kids are still babies, that's not good for me. Because I think, you know, once you decided to be a family, you have to put all your effort and all your love inside this. And And that's something, you know, that will carry you all your way till you're old, until you die. Because when you are old and all your family is around, kids and grandchildren, then you're happy. Everything else will go away again.
0: And I think it really matters if you you travel over land or on a sailboat or whatever you do. But uh, just getting out of the daily routine of a uh, Western society, nine to five life with uh, kids in school. And that's moms at work from the morning and then meeting only in the evening and have one, two days of the weekend. Um, you know, getting away from that is the best you can do when the kids are at a young age.
2: Yeah. I love it. What should, what advice would you have to another family listening that has in the back of their mind that they want to sail around the world? What would you, what would you tell them?
0: Okay. We try to make it one sentence. Um, I think talk a lot about your dreams and define a goal. Define something that you wanna to do together. Which could be just, you know, a bigger timeout. Get all the vacation time you to get together for a three month trip. Or uh, find out if you're ready for something longer. To leave the, the life you live for half a year, for a year or even more. And just find out what yourself and what the other one thinks in the deepest corners of its of his or her heart and mind. Find out what you want and then find a way to make it work. I think that's Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've if managed to put your dream into a few words, we want to buy a sailboat and go around the world. Or we want to sell our apartment, get a camper van and live in it for maybe a year. But just put it down in words and then, you know, talk to your friends about it, to your family, get some feedback. Don't let them push you back. But, you know, even negative feedback, you know, it's a lot of help because it shows, you know, some fears and some points of the story that you maybe have not thought about. And then, yeah, once you find a goal, you're on the way. Just make it happen
1: and for me it was always very important to have this security line that for example we did not have to sell our apartment we just rent it out so just in case of anything not happy or illness or run out of money then we can go back every time and this is something that makes me very happy to know that um, yeah we are not lost
0: and this is again where family comes into play. So let's say you're renting out your apartment, but your ship things, your camper van crashes or whatever, and you feel like you have to go home. Well, if you have parents or grandparents that have a spare room or two spare rooms in a house, apartment, yeah. it can make a big difference because then you have a place to go back to and restart in case of emergency.
2: That's great. Thank you so much. I'm truly inspired. I'm so happy to have you as my first guest on the Moment Exchange podcast from the road.
0: Lisa's <laughs> super honored to be the first one.
2: <laughs> Where can people find you online if they want to follow your journey?
0: Well, we are the Sail Away family. We wanted to be a sailing family, but that was already taken. By our
1: <laughs>
0: so we are the Sail Away family. <laughs> um this is our homepage, sailorwayfamily.com, and Facebook, Instagram, it's equally family. Definitely answering every single personal message we get on Instagram, iMessage, or through our website.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm so inspired. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Uh, it seems like you're, you're really doing it. So hopefully you don't leave South America too soon and we'll run into you down there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good chance. But be aware, usually you're moving at half the speed that you think uh, that you planned. Ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. Great, Yeah, people are saying, so how long is this going to take? And I'm like, I, I'm planning on two to three years, and then I'm just lining it up before we even cross the border. I think I'm like, we're not even going to cross the border for a year based on, <laughs>
1: you know.
0: Yeah, but you can always, you know, skip some countries or some areas and just sail, or in your case, drive for five thousand miles, and then continue there if you feel like you have to. So you know, it's all teamwork. You know, what what works out for the two of you. And out it doesn't really matter how far you get, nah, as long yeah. as you go. <laughs> so, yeah. I love it, you know, Colin. I gotta jump outside, close like seventeen windows. I think we have a big really rink. <laughs> okay.
2: Meeting. Ciao, guys.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. I hope to see you.
2: Yes, <laughs> sounds great. Ciao, Nina. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I just love hearing stories like this of a couple from Austria growing up nowhere near the ocean to taking their family on board for a couple years and sailing halfway around the world. It's it's truly incredible. So just an update from Sail Away Family. They have decided to put their journey on pause and travel back to Austria for family reasons. So they've been off the boat since last September and this episode was recorded about a year before that in the midst of their travel. It was an unexpected return and they regrettably sold the boat and gave up on it, but they'll be back And I know that these guys have adventure in their hearts, no matter if they're living in Innsbruck or on a boat in the Caribbean. So stay up to date with these guys on Instagram or on their website at Sail Away Family. And we hope to have you back next week for episode two of... Our water season will be featuring the Holcomb family, or Famagogo, who have been traveling for the past four or five years, and their daughter is part of the Junior Olympic whitewater paddling team, so really excited to share what they're up to. Rewilding Parenthood was produced by Afuera Vida, sound and editing by Mercedes Riva, and music by Tomas Tirrell. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support us, please consider leaving us a review, sharing with a friend, or posting this somewhere where other people can see it. So hope to have you back next week. Adios.